Hallelujah. The book of Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Lord promised me that this day there would be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This morning, Bishop will tell you, hands went up all over this sanctuary of people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the God of the nine o'clock service is the God that's about to baptize this house with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Get ready for Pentecost. Get ready for Pentecost to happen one more time in this house like a mighty rushing wind. Father, I thank you for who you are, for what you are and what you're going to do. Thank you for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you for the witness of your spirit that's going to happen in this room. Touch me to preach your word as you've given it to me and confirm it today with the promise that you gave in the book of Acts. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm I'm one of those I am a uh, one of those people that once I I get in a a zone or I don't I don't like a lot of change. Change is necessary in life, but there's some things I don't like to change. For example, food. When I know something is good, I order the same thing every time I go to the restaurant. I would go to my grandmother's house, and I knew the gravy was going to always be on point. There was things that my mother would cook that no one could cook it like my mother. And I got in trouble when I married Gina because I said, hey, boo, could you learn to cook? There's four dishes I need to survive in this life, and my mother knows how to make them. Could you learn my mother's recipe? I'm like, find out what she uses, because that's what I need you to use. I'm like, if my mom uses salt, don't be bringing in that pink Himalayan voodoo, whatever kind of fancy salt it is you have. I need good old-fashioned crystallized salt, has the woman with the umbrella walking. I'm like, find me good old-fashioned salt. If the recipe calls for butter, don't be sneaking margarine in there. If butter was good enough for my grandmother and butter was good enough for my mother, butter is good enough for me as well. No weapon and no butter formed against me shall prosper. It won't clog my arteries and it won't kill me. I just eat it every now and then. Somebody's like, Suarez, this is not a good sermon preaching right now. But I suggest learn the recipe. I don't like when people take recipes and then they try to change it. And they're like, well, I just want to try something. No, leave it alone. If it's good, leave it. I don't want you messing with the salt and the butter. Well, let me try to grill it instead of frying. Let it fry. Let it fry. Let it fry. Come on, somebody. And if I'm not, I'm not just that way with my food. I'm that way with my faith. I love being a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love being a Christian. I love being a Pentecostal. I love being a spirit-filled, charismatic, word of faith believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love being a part of a church that still preaches signs, miracles, and wonders. And sees the power of the Holy Ghost move. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want my children to know of. And I am very 
cognizant of the fact that the 21st century church has some kinks and some problems and some issues. Of course it does. But the church, but if we really want to be a part of a revival church, you got to copy the recipe of the old church. You got to look at the book of Acts. You got to look at old moves of God and revivals that took place. And you got to copy the recipe because they dealt with the same problems that you and I are dealing with today, but their problems did not stop the move of God. So I got to look at them and see what was it about the first century church? What was it about the early Pentecostal revivals? What was it about Inspire when you were Christian Tabernacle and the Holy Ghost descended on this house and preachers couldn't preach and musicians couldn't play and singers couldn't sing and a pulpit couldn't stand? What was it about Brownsville? What was it about those moves of God that I talked to you about last week? Well, the recipe was prayer, consecration, holiness, and power. They were a church of one mind and one spirit. They worked in unity, not uniformity. They were sacrificially giving churches like this one, and their only motive was to see the Lord high and lifted up. That's the kind of church that we need right now. And the modern church does have its problems. But the modern church has its problems because, now I got to preach to everybody today. So there's a few things on this buffet that are going to apply to you, and there's a few things that are going to apply to you. If it doesn't apply to you, leave it and then get what belongs to you. But a lot of the problems of the modern church are not because of the devil, but they're because of the sons of the church. Let me talk about it right there. Because the sons of the church, growing up in the church, they saw some things that needed to be changed or perfected or fixed. They saw they saw some, some exaggerations here and there. Or maybe they made a hypocrite in the church because, you know, we, we grew up somehow thinking that the church is supposed to be perfect, forgetting that God raised up this church to be a hospital for broken and bruised people, for them to know that God loves, God saves, God heals, and God delivers. But somewhere along the lines, when God starts doing the work in us, we forget that he didn't build the church just to save us and heal us and fix us, but that there would be another generation behind us. There would be others that would come, and they don't need a perfect church. They need a healing church. They need a hopeful church. They need a church that will still reach down and reach the sinner, yet feed the saint. They need a church that can reach everyone. And so the sons of the church, when we saw things that were maybe a little out of order here and there, not because our fathers wanted it, but because we were full of imperfect people, including us, the sons of the church came by and said, let's fix it. Let's spruce it up. Let's make it look a little nicer. Let's clean it up. And we look the best we've ever looked. We sound the best we've ever sounded. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love it. I love first class production. I like things to be quality. I like things to be decently in an order. I think the Lord blesses it. I think the Lord sends his favor on it. But you got to be careful that when you're making change, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because someone abused the moving of the Holy Spirit and got into some wild stuff doesn't mean that we don't want the Holy Ghost to move in our churches anymore. Just because a few people got involved in manipulation and hypocrisy doesn't mean that the power of the Holy Ghost isn't still the same. 
same yesterday, today, and forever. And the problem is, not here, thank God, but the problem is, because I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to that camera. The problem is that some of you that knew the power of the Holy Ghost, you walked away from the power of the Holy Ghost. You walked away from speaking in other tongues because you didn't want to offend the visitors. But the Bible says that speaking in other tongues is a sign to the unbelievers. How will the unbelievers know if they never hear the sound of Pentecost? How will they know that it's real? How will they know it is the language of the Spirit if we don't allow the language to be alive in the house of God? There were some that walked away from speaking in tongues and walked away from the move of God and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that didn't happen in this church. That's why I love Inspire Church because you are professional, but you are prophetic. This is a first class church, but you're not so first class. You're not so programized that you don't let the Holy Ghost have its way whenever and however he wants to move. That's the kind of church that Jesus Christ is coming back for so I speak to the modern church of the 21st century if you want to have the power of the old church then you got to pray like the old church if you want to climb to new levels new seasons and new dimensions then you got to climb the mountain of the Lord like the old church did you can't have Moses's relationship without Mount Sinai you can't dream like Daniel and not have Daniel's lion's den you can't have David's victories and not find his lions, his bears, and his giants. You can't have a prophet's reward if you won't pay a prophet's price. And you can't speak in the authority of the Spirit if you quench the Spirit. What we need is a Holy Ghost revival now! We need the Holy Ghost. We need an old-fashioned, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire to sweep our church till you stop cussing because you're speaking in other tongues, till you stop gossiping because you're speaking in a Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost and fire. It's okay to admit that we got a few things out of order. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is with what you do with that information. Pastor Steve could tell you better than I that the difference between a critic and a coach is that they both see the problems. But the Monday, the Monday morning quarterback, the critic, the gossiper will just point all the problems out. That's out of order. That's out of order. That's out of order. I don't like that. I don't like that. you got to do something. But a coach will come by. This is, see, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the critic, all he does is criticize. The coach will come by and say, you did this wrong, but here's how you do it right. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the comforter. The Holy Ghost is sent to guide you. Was sent to teach you. The Holy Ghost will see you 
walking this way and the Holy Ghost will say, no, 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 not there. Let me take you down paths of righteousness. The Holy Ghost will get a hold of your kids when they're trying to be taken by the world and the Holy Ghost will say, no, no, no. Your parents dedicated you on an altar. You're covered in the blood. I'm bringing it back into the kingdom. The Holy Ghost, the Holy I want you to stop right now and give God praise for the Holy Ghost because I feel him sweeping over this house right now. And in your concern for the church, you must ask yourself the question, when has the church not had problems? When I was growing up in the church, my dad complained about my generation. I complained about my kids' generation. My grandfather complained about my dad's generation. My great-grandfather complained about my grandfather's generation. Because we have the gift of complaining. And that's been going on since the first century. When the sons of the apostles were raised, the apostles didn't like the way they were doing everything. And they said, that's not the, give me back my old church. The church was only like 30 years old. You have to ask yourself the question, when has the church not had problems? This church is made up of imperfect people that are in the process of being saved. We're in the process of perfection. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Let us move on now towards perfection. We've been moving and we're moving until the trumpet sounds and perfects us in heaven. But we're moving towards it. But we have always had problems. But that doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. That doesn't mean we give up on the church. That doesn't mean we give up on the message of the Holy Ghost. No, no. We need it now more than ever. This church has always had problems, not Inspire, not CT, but I'm talking about the church of the living God. I was pastoring a little church in Virginia, and we were struggling. Everybody loved me for a minute, and then they didn't love me anymore. They left the church as quick as they joined. I jokingly, sarcastically, don't get mad, called it the car wash. I'm like, they come in, we clean them up, and spit them right out. I was struggling, and I was depressed. And I went to camp meeting because that's what us Pentecostals do. Can't go to the bar. I don't go to camp meeting. Camp meeting preacher's preaching that night. And he said, there's a preacher in this room. You're struggling. Your church is falling apart. And the Lord would speak to you and say, raise your voice and say, oh, God, give me a book of Acts. Church. So I did it. Right in the middle of camp meeting. Oh, God, give me a book of Acts. Church. God spoke to me. And he said, have you read the book of Acts? I said, Jesus, I'm Pentecostal. It's the only one I read in the Bible. Come on, Jesus. He put, it's like he put lenses on me. And all I saw were problems. Acts chapter 1, they don't know how to wait on the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, go and tarry in Jerusalem. We don't know how to tarry. We don't know how to wait. Waiting makes us nervous. Waiting makes us look around like, what's going on? Feels awkward. He said, tarry in Jerusalem till the comforter comes. And then you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
Well, while they're sitting around, there's about 500 of them sitting around. They're getting impatient. Someone remembers they got a roast in the oven, so they left. The other remembered that they had tamales, and they left. And so everybody starts leaving. There's about 120 left, and they said, you know, what are we going to do about that brother Judas? You know, Judas is no longer with us. He didn't hang around long enough. <laughs> That's a weird joke. Um, what are we going to do? And they said, well... We need to name a 12th. How did Jesus name you? Well, he said, follow me. How did he name you? Well, he said, follow me, and I followed him. Well, we don't know how to name apostles, and we're still waiting. Well, I know. Let's start making major decisions for the church outside of the Holy Spirit. Let's just make a decision. Let's have, I know. Here's a brilliant idea. Let's have an election. Eeny, meeny, miny. Matthias, congratulations. You're now an apostle. Order your business cards. Now, I'm going to be careful because one day I'm going to go to heaven and I don't want Matthias waiting for me at the door like, my man, I'm in the Bible. You're not. Why are you talking about me? Like, why you got to criticize me? Like, I made it, man. A devout man, a wonderful man, but you never read about him again. They were making decisions out of the Holy Ghost because they don't know how to wait. Acts chapter 2, they're irrelevant. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go to church, and there's a poor man that needs money. And what did Peter and John say? Silver and gold have I none. This church has been broke since the third chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, they preach so good they sleep in jail. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lie and they drop dead in the house of God. Acts chapter 6, they're so blessed. How blessed are they? They're so blessed they're complaining about the blessing. Confirming what we learned in the 90s, sister. That more money, more problems. Come on. Hallelujah. You acting saved like you don't know what I'm talking about right now. That's a sanctified crowd. They're like, I don't know that. That's under the blood. More money, more problems. They got more blessing that they've ever had. And because they're used to complaining, now they're complaining about the blessing. Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer sees that by the laying on of hands, people receive the Holy Ghost. And he inquires and he says, how much does that cost? Now we got corruption in the church of the, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus has a radical conversion. And what does the church say? No way. Nope. No way that the blood that saved me could save him. He's too much of a sinner. There is no way that the Jesus that saved me can save him. And now we got a legalistic church that's judging everybody's salvation, figuring out who's saved and who's sanctified and who's a rank singer. We've been dealing with legalism since the first century church. And then you get to Acts chapter 10. Jesus gives Peter a dream and shows him things that used to be unclean. And Peter says, no, I don't touch that. That's unclean. And Jesus says, who are you to determine what's clean and unclean? I want you to go preach at Cornelius's house. Peter says, no, I don't preach to those people. We've been dealing with racism, segregation, and bigotry since the first century of the church. But that spirit wasn't able to conquer the first century. The church conquered the spirit. We've been dealing with the same lies of the devil since day one, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing that we're dealing with right now that's new. The enemy does not have the power to create. He doesn't devise a new missile 
a new bomb, a new tactic to destroy your family. He was the one that started the recycling business. All he has are old weapons and old bombs. And he says, look, it didn't work in the book of Acts chapter 10, but let me see if I can make it work in 2020. Let, let me see if the, go get that, go get that ungrateful bomb that we put in Acts chapter 6. Let's see if we can get that to go over the piece. All he has are old weapons. That's why you can stand sure and know that what the Bible said 4,000 years ago about no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You can stand firm and know it's true because that bomb didn't work 4,000 years ago. That attack didn't work against the first century church and we're not going to let it divide us now. We know we're imperfect. We know we got issues issues but we're built upon the promise of jesus christ the gates of hell will not prevail against the church somebody give god praise for his church the church isn't perfect but neither was noah's ark noah's ark is a type and foreshadow of the church now, I know a movie came out a few years ago that said that the animals went into a trance and kind of fell asleep. Nobody knows what happened to the animals. I don't know what happened in that ark, but all I know is that it was nasty, it stunk, and it was dark. It had one window, the Bible says, at the top of the ark. And the Bible says that God only sent one man to the window. Do you know why that is? This is my opinion. I'm not saying this doctrine. It's my opinion. Why would God only build one window and send one leader to the one window? Because if you'd have put, this is my opinion, if you would have put windows all around the ark, you'd have had a group saying, we need to push the ark this way. Everybody come and put your, put your weight on this side. Kind of make the ark go this way. And you'd have someone over here saying, no, 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 there's an iceberg here. My God, we got, no, no, shift it this way, shift it this way. But God said, I'm going to build one window and send one leader to that one window to give guidance and give one voice. See, the church of God has to have a united voice. It's got to speak one voice, one language. It's got to have one vision. You can't function if everybody's trying to take the ark this way and take it that way. The Bible says that God put one window and he sent Noah to that window so that everybody in the ark would have the same vision as Noah. That's why God establishes one senior leader over this church, one angel over this house that says, thus saith the Lord. Why? Because if you're going to be saved, you got to get in the ark. You got to be a part of the church. It's amazing to me that those animals didn't kill each other. They were foes. They fought against each other. But it's like they got in the ark, pastor, and they said, listen, carnal, my man, listen, you do you and I do me, but we're, don't bite me and I won't bite you because I'm not trying to die up in this flood. I'm trying to see a rainbow on the other side. And I really wish that the body of Christ would stop fighting with each other, biting at each other, bickering with each other, and we'd say, look, I want to be saved more than I want to be right. I want to go to heaven more than I want to win the argument I'm not going to fight with you I'm not going to kill you because I want to be saved and if we're going to be saved God's going to use this church to save us you be careful you be careful what people tell you you don't need a church you don't need a pastor 
And they'll say, well, what if you lived on an island? You're the only one there. Well, you don't. Cross that bridge when you get there. But while you're here in Houston, Texas, and you have a wonderful church where you can assemble at, don't despise the house of God. Don't be like those that forsake the assembling uh, together. Whether you're doing it online or whether you're doing it in person, be a part of the body of Christ. Be a part of the church because if you're going to make it to heaven, God is going to use his church to save your family. You need a church. You need a church. I want to be like the church of the book of Acts. I want to be like those revival churches that could go through fighting and wars, yet see thousands saved. Bishop and I were talking this morning about friends, old friends that we have in a certain part of the country, a certain part of the world that were living through civil wars in the 80s and 90s. Yet if you preach there, you would see thousands upon thousands that were saved. It was common to be preaching and having crusades while gunfire and tanks and bombs were going out in the city and other places yet even war could not deter the move of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you I'm telling you, I feel it, I'm in a vein right now, I'm telling you the enemy all he has are old weapons You, the enemy thought that rioting would shut down the church of the Lord Jesus Christ the enemy thought a pandemic would shut down the church of the Lord Jesus Christ the enemy thought that a fake recession would shut down the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, he for God that Jesus already said no weapon formed against us shall prosper in good season, in bad season in good times and in bad times we're not going to stop being the church but that kind of a church that kind of a church, that kind of, re- of a revival cannot happen unless the church is filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You want the recipe to revival? You want the recipe to the move of God? You got to go back to the recipe book. You got to go back to the book of Acts and you got to copy the recipe. It's a recipe of repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's a recipe of prayer and consecration and seeking after God. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen of the inspired jury, I submit to you today, you need the Holy Ghost ghost I don't care whether you consider yourself Baptist, Methodist Catholic, non-denominational Pentecostal or whatever flavor of Christianity you say your family belongs to the good news is I'm not preaching Pentecostal doctrine to you, I'm preaching the word of God, that means it applies to every language, every culture, every creed and every denomination there are some denominations that tried to they're called cessationists and they said we don't believe that those things happen in modern times you want to know what happened the Holy Ghost showed up and said oh really watch this 
I just watched the video from about 1992 of a Baptist preacher that used to be a sensationist. He was trying to preach and the Holy Ghost baptized him and he started speaking in other tongues. Why? Because the wind bloweth where it listeth. You can't tell the Holy Ghost where to move and where not to move. He says, when I find a hungry people, I don't care what the church calls itself. If I find a hungry people, I'll move in the midst of them and I'll show up in the fullness of my power you need you need you need the Holy Ghost visitors that are here for the first time you need the Holy Ghost your children need the Holy Ghost our young people need the Holy Ghost you saints that have talked in tongues for 50 years you need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost we don't just recommend it we don't just advocate for it this is the truth of the Word of God the Bible says I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy if you want a word of prophecy in this house you need the Holy Ghost and not only do you need the Holy Ghost but that Hammond organ sure does help hallelujah the church of the book of Acts was filled and they stay full of the Holy Ghost because what I'm advocating for this morning is not a one-time event that you get a certificate for and then you forget about it the rest of your life what I'm advocating for today is a life that is led that is full of the Holy Ghost we're just like the prayer of Jesus you say give us this day our daily bread I'm talking about an empowerment from on high that guides every aspect of your life where every day you are led of the spirit you talk to the spirit and the spirit talks through you i'm talking about having access to a fountain of perpetual power for guidance for direction and for the leading of the spirit for it is through the holy ghost that an aspect of salvation is done in your life john 3 5 and 6 it is through the holy ghost that you are empowered acts 1 and 8 first corinthians 12 and 6 it's through the holy ghost that you're given guidance John 16, 13 through 15. It's through the Holy Ghost that we're taught the book of Luke 12 and 12. And it's through the Holy Ghost that we pray Romans 8, 26 through 27. And the Bible says, let me slow it down. I need to take a breath before I fall over. You'd be like, oh, it's the Holy Ghost. No, it's because I didn't breathe. Acts 1 and 8 says, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you the amplified version reads a little different it says you shall become capable you shall become efficient and you shall become mighty after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you catch that right now when the Holy Ghost comes on you you'll be capable you'll be efficient and you'll be mighty that revelation right there ought to tear down every stronghold of insecurity of self-worthlessness every lie that the enemy has told you that you're not good enough that you're not qualified and that God can't use you that revelation right there ought to deal with that lie of the enemy because you used to be 
nothing right. You weren't good enough. You weren't qualified. But the Holy Ghost has qualified you. The Holy Ghost has made you good enough. The Holy Ghost has made you join heirs with Christ. And now because of the Holy Ghost, you walk in demonstration, you walk in power, and you walk in victory. Now because of the Holy Ghost, you're more than a conqueror. Because of the Holy Ghost, you're a victor and not a victim. And because of the Holy Ghost... You don't go anywhere alone. You don't do anything without the Holy Ghost. I don't walk into a boardroom without the Holy Ghost. I don't make a business decision without the Holy Ghost. I shouldn't get married without the leading of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to figure it out on your own. God has sent another comforter to guide you and lead you down paths of righteousness. Too many people operating in their own wisdom, in their own knowledge, and in their own strength. Why would you do that when you have the comforter walking next to you? Why would you do it when you got the power of the Holy Ghost? Jesus himself, the son of the living God, didn't go without the Holy Ghost. I know, I know, I know. I know what you're going to say, but let me, let me explain. Jesus went to the tomb, but he didn't go to the tomb alone. There was death in that tomb. And there was Roman soldiers positioned outside of the tomb to make sure that, was, that which was dead stayed dead but there was a word of prophecy spoken by Jesus Christ himself he said you can destroy this temple but in three days I'll raise it back up again and while Jesus the son of God laid on the inside of the tomb the Holy Ghost passed by those Roman soldiers creeped through the stone that they had placed and the Holy Ghost defied the law of life and death and raise Christ Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. The Holy Ghost creep by a stone and raise the Son of God from the dead. Now if the Holy Ghost can do that for the Son of God, imagine what the Holy Ghost is about to raise you out of. He's about to bring you out of sickness, bring you out of poverty, bring you out of the life through the power of the Holy Ghost. I feel a praise in my spirit right now. I feel a shout in my spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for fire. Thank you for the wind. Thank you for power. Thank you for speaking in other tongues. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you 
for the comforter. Thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of me. Now I understand why COVID couldn't stop me. Now I understand why no weapon formed against me prospered. Because I got the spirit of the Father. I got the spirit of the Son living on the inside of me. And now because of the Holy Ghost, I used to walk like a victim, but now I walk as a victor. Because of the Holy Ghost, I used to be weak, but now I walk in strength. Because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Ooh, I feel a shout stirring up right now. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He wasn't talking about a denomination. He wasn't talking about an organization. He wasn't talking about a corporation. But the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When he said the gates of hell won't prevail, he was talking about you. A friend of mine named Bishop Ann Jimenez said, Tony, who is the church? She said, who's the church? She said, when Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, who is he talking about? She said, the Bible says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the church. So when Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, he was talking about you. He was talking about your family. He was talking about your marriage. That's why I know it doesn't matter what lie the enemy brings, the gates of hell won't prevail. My kids are going to be saved. I'm going to be saved. My family's going to serve the Lord because the gates of hell cannot prevail. Give them a shout of praise right now. I got more to preach, but I feel the move of the Holy Ghost hitting this house from the front to the back, left to the right. I feel like it's time for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost to happen right now. 
right now. In the upper room, they tried to stay sitting down, but the Holy Ghost came on them, and they can no longer do what they used to do. When I count to three, I want you to give God the very best praise you've given him this entire revival, and let the Holy Ghost move in this house. One, two, one, two, three. word if you believe this word that the gates of hell won't prevail against you i speak the word of the lord over you today if you'll shout because you believe this word the lord says if you'll shout this day i'll give you victory tomorrow if you'll shout for your children if you'll shout for your money if you'll shout for your marriage the gates of hell will not prevail some of you that the Holy Ghost is trying to hit but you're trying to maintain social distancing rules that's okay remember when you used to be Baptist and you get a hold of the pew and dance right where you are get a hold of something and right where you are let the Holy Ghost touch you until your life changes forevermore let the Holy Ghost come on you now Clap your hands and give God praise in this house. to finish this thing. You can stay standing or sitting. I don't care. But I got, I got to finish this. If people don't see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, how will they know it's real? 
One of the things I love about this revival is that you can't accuse the preacher of pushing anybody if they fall out. You can't accuse anybody of coercing. This is a genuine, authentic move of the Holy Ghost. Like in the upper room, nobody laid hands in the book of Acts chapter 2. The Father laid hands. In the book of, uh, book of Acts chapter 5, nobody laid hands. The shadow of faith touched. And God is confirming His Word to be true. But let me say this before we finish, because I'm going to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in just a moment. The Bible says that when you know not what to pray for the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you I still believe that every believer ought to speak with new tongues as the Holy Ghost gives him the utterance I still believe it I still believe that the Holy Ghost will come on you and you will speak with new tongues and you, you know what I learned about speaking in tongues I'm going to sound like a nerd for a minute it's kind of like code you know who doesn't speak in new tongues? The devil. When you speak in tongues, it is the Spirit making intercession to the Father. So when you speak in tongues, hell doesn't know what to do because they don't understand you. But your heavenly Father says, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you need. Now here's your miracle. Here's your blessing because you're speaking my language. Yo hablo español porque era el idioma de mi padre. Y para comunicarme con mi padre tenía que hablar el idioma de mi padre. I speak Spanish because it was my father's language. And if I wanted to dialogue with my dad, I had to speak my daddy's language. Well, I got a father in heaven. Oh! I want to make sure I speak heaven's language. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, in a few moments, bishops come in and then I'll pray. But to you, to, your, to, to those of you that have been raised in the things of God, hear me, I'm not rebuking you, I'm speaking to you. Hear my heart. I heard a sermon that Jensen Franklin preached years ago. I think he titled it The Language of the Spirit. I got it saved. I listened to it at least once a year to get it in my spirit. And in the sermon, Pastor Jensen teaches that for a people group, a culture to die, the last thing that goes is the language. They can change some customs, change some culture, but when they lose the language, the people group ceases to exist. They're gone. You can't pass down recipes. You can't pass down weaponry. He talked about indigenous tribes in the Amazon that as they die out and the language dies, the children no longer know how to make the poison that they would put on the end of the spears and the arrows because they didn't learn the language. I have made a covenant before my God that I will not let Pentecost die in my generation. I will not, and I know I'm not alone. I got Bishop, I got Pastor Steve, I got Pastor Andrew. There's a whole host with me. 
There's no Elijah spirit here feeling like I'm the only one. There's a whole host of us that says, as for me and my house, we will continue to preach what we know to be true. And we will speak the language of the spirit. I used to hear my parents speak with other tongues when they would pray. Tongues wasn't weird in my house because I heard tongues in my house and in the church. How will your children know if they don't hear you speak the language, mom? How will the children know if they don't hear you speak the language, dad? I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm just, I'm sharing my heart. How will they know if they don't hear the sound of Pentecost? The Bible says that in the upper room there came the sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind that filled the house. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no sound in wind. The sound comes from what the wind touches. When the wind of heaven touched our atmosphere and crossed through our clouds and our stratosphere, then the sound was released. The sound filled 120 human beings that began to speak with new tongues. And the community didn't hear the mighty rushing wind. The community heard the 120. They heard the sound of the mighty rushing wind. The sound of the Spirit, the language of the Spirit is what God speaks through you. And in a moment, the wind of Almighty God, Ikayashotai is going to flow through this house and you will speak with new tongues as the Holy Ghost gives you the utterance. You will be baptized with the power from on high. Lord, hear my cry today as I turn it to Bishop. There's a remnant on the earth that's going to make sure our children speak the language of the Spirit They're going to know the language of Pentecost. They're going to know the language of heaven. Because they're going to hear their parents, their grandparents, their brothers and their sisters speak it. As Bishop comes to this pulpit, would you just release the sound of Pentecost in this house for just a moment?